Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Miss Roshni Kamta. Rosh, thank you for being on the show. How are you doing this morning? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. How was your previous week? It was good. I spent it down in Asbury, just going to the beach and stuff. So it was really nice. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds really good. Just to give like an overview of this is season two of don't be coy focusing in on moments of transformation so i'll go over a series of questions related to the past present and future and like how you've navigated mm -hmm. through those kind of different scenarios but before we get started can you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so i'm first generation my parents are from Suriname. i went to i graduated from rutgers with a communication degree and I work in marketing right now. I work in, I work at Inc. Magazine. A year after I graduated college, I really just jet-setted into adulthood. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 22. That was a great birthday gift. I did 60 rounds of treatment. I had a lumpectomy, and then I did 33 rounds of radiation. And the breast cancer, the type of breast cancer that I was diagnosed with is triple negative breast I'm sorry, I'm not too familiar with the different types of breast cancer. What exactly is triple negative breast cancer? Yes, yeah, so typically breast cancers are hormone positive. So it's estrogen, I'm forgetting the two other ones, but they're usually hormone positive. In my case, I was hormone negative. So negative for all the hor hormones associated with breast cancer. So triple negative, right now the only treatment for it is chemotherapy. Hormone-based breast cancers have a, a bit more options. So triple negative is about 20% of breast cancer diagnoses. And it's usually with women under the age of 40, so premenopausal, and specifically for Black women and non women. Thank you for sharing that. I think, honestly, that, that provided some, like, really interesting perspective. I know, like, in, like, past conversations we've had, like, I can only imagine you as an individual, as you mentioned, at 22, going through something like that and how transformative that was for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's funny because when I was graduating college, I was like, oh, how do I do taxes? How do I just be an adult? It was just fast-tracked into knowing how to navigate the healthcare system, how to navigate health insurance, how to talk to doctors. And then also how to like take care of yourself too. So thank you for giving that foundation as far as perspective that you'll be coming from. I'm really interested in the how you're going to approach the various questions we have today. So for the first one, what's your favorite song to start your day um, to or like a theme song that you have? Okay, this is going to be a hard question for me because <laughs> I love music. So my first song choice is by Tovlo. It's called Cool Girl. So I started listening to it sophomore year of college because I was just deep in internships and classes and I needed some motivation just to hype me up for everything. So the song's just basically just saying that you're a cool girl. So I always play it if I have interview, any type of important thing that I need to, to hype me up. It's that song. And then also Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. 
that's also just a song that we're out brush all the BS off with that song. I really appreciate that. So you told us a little bit about where you were at whenever you first heard the first song. Can you give us a little bit more context around what that was like for you when you were in your sophomore year and just navigating that that internship cycle? What exactly made you feel like a cool girl per se? Yeah, so I, in college, I had an interest in fashion and that's where I wanted my career to go. And it's hard when you don't have any, like first generation, you don't have any connections and you're just down, you're just starting from the ground up. Uh, I appreciate my parents coming here and giving me the opportunity. I just, it's very hard to even put your foot into the door without knowing anybody. So I just needed something to get me out of my imposter syndrome and tell myself that I could do it. I'm I deserve a seat at the table. I deserve to be here. I'm a hard worker. So that's the reason why I listened to that song, just to get that mindset so I could be the cool girl at any career or if it was school, anything like that, just to hype me up and just tell me, like, imposter, your imposter syndrome is lying to you. Like, you could do this. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to touch on that a little bit. When you talk about that imposter syndrome, I know it resonates with me, like, even to this day. How do you personally identify that you're experiencing your own imposter syndrome? And how do you navigate it to get out of it? Yeah. So I can tell that I'm, like, experiencing it is when it takes me a long time to do a task or to just even consider that I know what I'm doing and, like, me thinking that I have to ask whoever, my team or whatever, all these different questions to know that I'm right instead of just trusting my own knowledge or knowing how to do something and just going with Personally, that's something that, like, I had to overcome myself. How do you differentiate the asking for guidance and mentorship versus you know how to do something? You're just, you have it, it hasn't hit reality that you're the person that you are today. I think that, so now I'm four years into my career. I think that just came with time. Of I think I have slowly built up my confidence and to know like my four years of school, my four, four years of heavy career, like that has all taught me different things to do my job per se. So I think how I could differ, how I differentiate between asking question, questions in terms of mentorship is how am I gonna, how do I wanna advance myself? And picking people in my, whether it be my professional or personal life, to be in that circle for mentorship, whether it's, I have an older cousin, I she's sort of my mentor in life and in professionally, we're in the same field of career. And she's just four years older than me, so she lived her 20s, so. I just go to her for just advice on life. And that's how I can like ground myself of, oh, I know what I'm doing. Like I'm talking to this person that I value their opinion and it, it like level sets me, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to be punny, but would you describe like your older cousin as that kind of cool girl? It's definitely a cool girl. I don't know if you know this, but I do Rent the Runway and Rent mm. the Runway is basically 
an app for renting clothing, any type of clothing, going out, like any type of season. So she introduced me to Rent the Runway, which is part of my cool girl starter pack, I should say. Just having that outfit and she's always so dressed up and very knowledgeable. I want to be like her in my career and professionally. Yes, I would say that she's a cool girl. That's really interesting to me. Now that I'm hearing you talk a little bit more about this song, it sounds like to me like this cool girl song is like an idea of the identity that you painted your picture for, who you wanted to be earlier on in like your sophomore year. And you literally have someone who embodies that aspect of the life that you're pursuing. And so it's just like you have both ends of the spectrum from where you started from and also having a person in your life to be able to consult and get advice how to best navigate to become that person that you want to be. Exactly. And we talk about therapy a lot and it's helpful because in the Browns community, therapy, mental health and all that stuff is not talked about enough. And just having another person who looks like me to have these conversations just helps get me out of imposter syndrome or just feeling not enough. Yeah. So going on to this next song that you described is for us, Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. Can you tell us a little bit around how this song resonates with you and like how it speaks to you in that sense? Yeah. I love Ariana Grande mostly because she's just very truthful and honest about her mental health journey as well because she's been through a lot of things and after I have been through a lot of personal things I can so I can resonate with the song thank you next I was just about I appreciate the life lessons that I've learned or appreciate things that have happened and I'm just saying thank you next on to the next thing I learned <laughs> the lessons uh if I needed to learn them I learned them and I'm just like moving on and so that song, I started listening to, I think, a year after college, like first whatever year post-grad. And then that was my end of chemo song, too, mm-hmm. as my like, okay, thank you, next. I think of cancer as like an ex-boyfriend. So, so that's also <laughs> another reason why I like this song. That makes a lot of sense. So that's a pretty profound thing to do, to one express gratitude for a scenario or situation that you're in to be like thank you for all the opportunities that it brought onto me and the experiences that you brought but now it's on to the next and moving on to that next chapter or transitioning into that next chapter so i'm curious around like how you personally got to that point it was a lot of therapy because i will say that I was a very angry person when I was diagnosed and you know me Melvin, I'm not really the angry type, but I felt like I was dealt a bad hand that I did not deserve. So therapy was something that I got into, I think a month after I was diagnosed, my oncologist asked me if I've ever done therapy and think it would, if it would be beneficial to me. and. It was very beneficial. I learned cancer is not my fault. I learned how to handle just different people's comments about my diagnosis and how I was diagnosed. And so that was a chip on my shoulder. That was like the resentment and anger that I like kept in. 
And so I like had to navigate, how do I deal with these emotions? How do I, it wasn't normal for me to experience anger like this. And I will also say that anger for a lot of people is a bad thing, right? Like people associate being angry as a bad thing, but sometimes being angry is just a different type of sad feeling of sadness. Like the anger comes out because you're also sad. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, it was just a lot of therapy, a lot of talking about how cancer has affected me, how cancer not made me into the, I don't like to, I don't like to say that I'm grateful for getting cancer. That's not the type of person that I am. What I'm grateful for is having the resources and accessibility to get therapy and the mental health help that I needed during treatment and also importantly after treatment because I'm still in therapy. These feelings just don't go away once you're done with treatment. They continue on for the rest of your life basically because cancer does affect the rest of your life. So yeah, just a lot of therapy. I really like what you said there. Anger as experience of sadness, how it shows up sometimes. We don't necessarily always articulate it in that particular way. We look at anger as being like, I'm mad, I'm upset. But really and truthfully, sadness and anger can dance between in the same vein. When you were talking about that, I was reflecting a little bit on myself around how sometimes I might express anger into a situation. But the real scenario of the situation is that I'm truly sad. And because it's harder for me to articulate when I'm sad, which can be like a whole different conversation in itself. So for you to recognize that through the help of therapy, I think that's really When you first entered into therapy, was it something that was, okay, I'm going to go and do this and this is the way that I'm going to help myself navigating through the scenario that I've gone through? Or was it a challenging thing for you to start in your own world? I would say a mixture of both because I thought that I was going to therapy just for my cancer diagnosis. But as I went into sessions, I realized that I realized basically I had a lot of childhood experiences that caused stress in my adulthood as well. And they were, it was like a spilling milk. It like just spilled everywhere. Cancer was not the only thing that was bothering me mentally. It was other things. Just growing up as first generation, growing up with immigrant parents. So I feel like my first couple of therapy sessions, I wasn't connecting the dots of that. My therapist was on the back end. And sometimes I would just be talking about cancer or like being upset about something. And she would just then go on and ask me a question about family and things like that. And I just started to realize, oh, I have, I have other, I don't want to say demons. I have other things to handle outside of my cancer diagnosis for myself and therapy could be that resource for me to do it. So I think that was the thing that I learned to realize in therapy. I didn't acknowledge it when I first started out, but as I kept going to sessions and being more aware of my emotions and how I am mental and realizing that some of the habits that I don't like about myself in therapy, learning how to control them or 
how to mediate them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. While I was listening to you talk, I really thought about how that was for you in that present moment. So imagining you talking about like your cancer and talking about like how that essentially made you feel because I'm sure that if it did not turn your life upside down 180, at least had to do a 90 degree turn because it wasn't something that was expected. It wasn't something that could have been anticipated. It's something that happened and something you had to adjust your life to, to handle. But then like at that same moment, you're also realizing about like how these other factors played a role. And it's, as you were saying, you don't want to call them demons, but they were situations that you needed to handle. And some of these moments or some of these scenarios might have been situations that been there for a while and were deeply rooted. And some of them may have been things that like just started planting out and was starting to grow roots and things of that nature. And so like I'm painting this picture to get to my point of as you were navigating through your own therapy and everything was starting to illuminate and you were starting to see all the different aspects of your life and how it impacted you. How did you go through like pruning and trimming the garden, realizing what are the things that need to be weeded out? That's a really good way to describe it, trimming your own garden. I feel therapy like has helped me understand boundaries, what they are and how to utilize them and how to talk, how to communicate your boundaries to people and how to, you know, personally stick with them. It, I think another weed that I was plucking is friendships, Mm -hmm. understanding that some friendships just needed to end or they weren't going anywhere and going through such a traumatic thing and having some friends show up and other friends not and just cutting those weeds out and understanding that not every friendship is worth lasting. Then also understanding how to communicate. I think that I always thought I knew how to communicate because I was a communication major, (laughs) but that turned out to be not fully true. I think that I learned how to communicate from my parents and some of the things that I learned, I basically learned how to communicate correctly. My parents love to, they talk very loudly, sometimes shouting. And I also took on that communication style sometimes with my partner and I was starting to realize therapy, that's not the way that communication should be. And there's other ways to calmly communicate things rather than having to shout. So I kind of want to make a little bit of a pivot here and move on to the second question because I like like where we're going within this conversation. So the second question is, what is the most common dish that you cook now? If I need to cook something, I cook this Surinamese dish called nasi. It's basically like fried rice with chicken. It's my favorite dish. I love eating it. I love rice. I can't live without rice. And I used to make fun of my dad because every time we'd go out to eat, and if he didn't have rice and we would come home, he needed to have rice. And I just always made fun of him. But now I'm the same way. So I would say it's my go-to dish. So let me ask a little bit about this particular dish. Is it like 
easier to cook? Like, how did you learn how to prepare it? So it's a dish that I cooked in college too, because yes, it's easy. You just make your rice in the rice cooker and then you put the rice into the pan and then you use, I'm forgetting the word, it's nasi ketchup and it, that's like a sauce uh, to get like the flavors, like a soy sauce. And then you can add your vegetables. I usually add frozen vegetables and then you add your chicken and you just like fry it up in the pan. You can add an egg if you want. Okay. So I'm curious in just even reflecting upon like our conversations, started to notice that there are things in your life that like you, you hold a lot of value to and you want to gain and keep that as not necessarily like a center stone or a centerpiece, but it's something that is a staple and has significance in your life. So I'm curious around, is that something that you as an individual, you do on like a regular basis? It's like you easily recognize the things that matter to you and you create these routines to highlight those things or manifest them into your life on a regular basis as you're kind of trying to navigate this thing we call the world. Yes. I think that after cancer treatment, I really wanted to maintain routines that made me happy or just like I felt fulfilled in. Uh, so some of the things that I've taken up is I've been reading a lot just because of working from home. I'm ha I have more time to like for myself. So I've been reading a lot of books. I have been cooking a lot too. And those are the things that I think help ground me. I enjoy doing those things. I enjoy reading a good book, whether I'm reading it inside my apartment or if I go to the park and read. It's just like something that grounds me. And and so is cooking. Cooking grounds me too. I was so used to watching my mom growing up cook all these different Surinamese dishes. In high school, I spent every summer, I would go to Suriname for three months. And same thing, I'd see my grandma cooking and my aunt's cooking. Someone's always making something. So it's always around people cutting up onions and all that stuff. And now doing that for me is relaxing. Like that kind of stuff grounds me. And yeah, I just enjoy those little bits of routines that I have. It's really cool how you were able to do this and recognize this so early on in your life and be able to make it like a really consistent thing. I really appreciate the fact that you're that kind of person that was able to do that. I'm really curious around what that journey looked like for you to become this kind of centered person. Yeah. How you said in your 20s were exploratory like years for you. I feel for myself, I didn't have that opportunity because cancer came, came into my life like early in my 20s. So mm -hmm. I feel like I wanted to explore, but I was... I have a diagnosis now where literally anything could happen. Like I could be re-diagnosed in a year or anything, anything could happen. So I think that type of, that type of red tape, something that I didn't feel comfortable doing like exploratory things and me making like 
routines or doing things that I actually like and being intentional about the people who I hang out with, the the who I surround myself who I surround myself with or what I'm doing is intentional because I I had a taste of I didn't want to say death. That I don't want to say that. I just had a glimpse of something very traumatic happening to me and mm. now I want to be more intentional with my time and who I spend that with and what I'm doing because I don't want to waste it. And I feel like as I've been doing that and get it, it's helped me realize myself more, like what I actually like versus what society likes or our family likes or anything else. Like I'm focusing on what Rosh likes and what Rosh wants to do and having that be part of conversations with my partner or with my family. Cause I feel like that was growing up. That wasn't the case for me was never, I never felt included in decisions that were being made because I had to do something because it was tradition or anything like that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's interesting that you describe it as this kind of red tape, but heard that like the negative connotation of that, but how you went on and articulated and explaining how these bills prevented you from having that kind of exploratory phase, but it also allowed you to be more reflective and grow into yourself from, from a different perspective. I just want to highlight that because I really appreciate you sharing that and this how one can still be able to grow and develop and become the person that they want to be without necessarily having the experiences of that kind of exploratory phase. There's value in taking the time to spend within yourself and reflecting on that around who you are as a person and growing on growing based upon that as well. Yeah, definitely. Like I so also to backtrack, I grew up in Pennsylvania and I was like one of the few brown kids there and I I hated wearing any type of gold jewelry that just made me like just pointed at me that I was Indian or anything that made me show that I was different. Uh, and so I feel like also what I'm doing just realized this as you were talking that I am exploring myself in different ways. Like I, I pierced my nose because I wanted to feel more connected to my Indian identity. I now wear all of my gold jewelry all the time. I wear my Indian jewelry sometimes too, with like my Western clothes. Those are like the tidbits of me that I'm exploring and like I'm appreciating even in the like clothes that I wear or the things that I read, it's just things that make me happy. It may not make someone else happy or someone might think like, why is she wearing that? But it makes me happy. And I think that's what I am coming to realize and explore now in my second half of my 20s. I want to be <clears throat> true to myself. I want to show all parts of myself and be comfortable doing that. I feel like for so many years, just growing up in Pennsylvania, even just living in America, I've I've hidden parts of myself. Uh, and those parts now want to come out because I feel like they deserve to come out. They deserve to come out years ago. I just was never comfortable with it. And so I think 
like Suriname is a place, as you said, is a home away from home. I went going there in high school. I got to be like a regular teenager and just feel more like myself there versus feeling othered when I came back home to Pennsylvania. So yeah, I, what I'm trying to say is I'm just trying to be more of myself and do more of what I love and communicate more of what I want to do and have it, have myself be more confident in myself uh, to dictate my life the way that I want to, but also communicate and share that with my partner so that it's like an integrated thing versus a parallel, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And not going to lie to you, like that makes me a little bit teary-eyed because it's just so beautiful. And I want to apologize for how I articulate this because the only way that I can think about articulating it is with my within my own vernacular. And I recognize that Southern vernacular isn't always the most culturally appropriate tone to speak within just society in general, but I don't care. So I'm going to do it anyway. But you've always been this little woman with big energy in the sense of you have, in my mind, like a little frame in the sense of you're short, but there's this energy about you that really and truthfully like lights up a room. I know this as far as with how um, your partner speaks about you, how my interactions that I've had with you, and even within this kind of conversation, the, the realness that you speak whenever you articulate something. And so I give that kind of context and I say that to use to propel my next question. What is your plan to do with like, letting your true self out? First, thank you. I like that analogy of small girl with big energy. I, wow, you stumped me here, Melvin. So just going back to therapy, I learned a lot about like generational trauma and how that manifests. If you don't, if you don't have the tools or access to mitigate it, it gets passed down to other generations. Uh, and so I think that the reason that I am so intentional maintaining my mental health and understanding my demons and my pain points and my plus points is because I want to be a good mom in the future. I want to be a good person as I grow up. I don't want these burdens or else to, to translate into my future life. I want them, I want to have a good understanding of how to handle them and that way so I don't pass on any trauma or anything to my kids or even even to presently like to my partner I don't want them to also feel the things that I'm feeling I want to work on them that way I could be the best partner future mom that I could be I really appreciate that and I really hope you the best to your your journey. I think that you're definitely taking the right steps to really trying to get there. I just heard your dog barking, so I think that means it's around that time for us to start ending. I have just a few lightning questions, and then if you don't mind, we can go through those, and I'll let you get back to the rest of your day. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right. So do you prefer texting, talking, or video chat? Talking. Nice. 
what or who inspires you and why? My mom inspires me a lot. She's a very loud, funny type of person. And she, as you said, like, that I'm the type of person to walk in the room and light it up. She is that. She That's how she's always been. And I'm appreciative that she is my mother because she has taught me to shine my own light on myself. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And then lastly, on a scale to, from one to 10, how good are you at keeping secret? I'm good. It just, it might go to my partner. I don't know if that counts as keeping a secret. <laughs> no, I get that. Everyone has to have a little bit of relief now. In one of the previous conversations that I had, they said, anytime that someone tells them a secret, they first ask, is it a secret that I have to keep to myself? Or can I tell yeah. the people that I love telling people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. This has been a really great conversation and I appreciate you, you being on the show today. And I hope that you have a great rest of the day and I'll talk with you later. Yes, thank you, Melvin. I appreciate being on the show. All right, talk to you later. All right, bye. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.